Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he has given us new life and hope. He has raised Jesus from the dead. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Friends, good morning. And what a special morning it is. Today is the most significant of days. In fact, without today, the other days don't make much sense. This is the pinnacle of the Christian year. If you ask people around the world what they think the biggest day of the year is for Christians, I'd hazard a guess most of them would say Christmas, but it really is Easter. This is the moment of new creation. If it hadn't been for Easter, nobody would have celebrated Christmas or any of our other festival days. This is the first day of God's new week. The darkness has gone and the sun is shining. And it's a privilege to be able to share with you this morning, as it was to greet you early this morning at sunrise via Facebook, and it will be to lead us in evening prayer later today too. Our Old Testament reading for this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, beginning at verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to God and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it blood and bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty to me, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, we will grow the juniper, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. And our New Testament reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. 
So Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and she cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had, that he had said these things to her. And so gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the reflections of our hearts and minds together be found pleasing in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, the Sunday of the resurrection is not only the greatest day of the church year, it's also the only one that's set by the moon. Easter, so I'm told, always falls on the first Sunday after the first full moon on or after the spring equinox. And as complicated as that sounds, it sort of makes sense in an ancient and deep-rooted way. Because it means that Easter coincides with the greening of the earth. Christ is risen and the whole world comes to life. Sap rises in dormant trees. Flowers peep open and fragrance fills the air. The connection is a happy one and one that helps us renew our faith in the creative power of God. And this Holy Week, I've been reminded of the old hymn, Now the Green Blade Riseth, which I've not sung in church for nearly 20 years, so I'm not sure where the memory sprung from. But it's a hymn that captures the springness of Easter, a sense of new life surging and bursting from the ground. And in the last verse, the words are, when our hearts are wintry, grieving or in pain, Jesus' touch can call us back to life again. Fields of our hearts that dead and bare have been. Love has come again like wheat that springeth green. And the whole hymn captures something of this emerging newness that we notice and we celebrate and we participate in today. And were we gathering together this morning, I'm sure we would have had a go at singing it. But good as this link with springtime is, it's also a little bit misleading. 
Because spring, friends, is entirely natural. You buy a bulb in winter and it doesn't look like much, but if you have any experience with gardening and bulbs, that doesn't worry you. You know that all you have to do is wait. Come springtime, it will escape the earth and explode with colour. And as miraculous as it is, it's completely natural. Resurrection, on the other hand, is entirely unnatural. When a human being goes into the ground, that is that. You do not wait around for the person to reappear so that you can pick up where you left off. Not this side of the grave, anyway. You say goodbye, you pay your respects, and you go on with your life as best you can, knowing that the only place springtime happens in the graveyard is on the graves and not in them. That's what Mary's doing that morning. She's paying her respects, going to his tomb to convince herself it was all true. It was still dark, and even from a distance, she knew something was wrong. She could smell damp earth, perhaps cold rock from inside. Someone had moved the stone. Afraid he'd become a saint or that his tomb would become a shrine, someone has taken him away to a steep cliff to the town dump. His body was all she had left, and now that was gone too. It was another twist of the knife, chaos upon chaos, disappointment after disappointment. But then, in the moments that follow, Mary becomes the first apostle of the church, the apostle to the apostles, the first to tell others the news that the tomb is empty. She ran and she brought two of the others back with her. But once they'd satisfied themselves that what she said was true, they left her there, weeping. If they'd tried to lead her away, she'd resisted. Like an abandoned puppy who's lost her master, she stays rooted at the last place she'd been without any idea of what to do next. And even angels couldn't soften her resolve. They were there when she looked up and worked up the nerve to go inside the tomb. Why are you weeping? they asked her. They've taken my Lord away and I do not know where they've put him, she replies. It never seems to occur to her here in the text that they might be the culprits. But I guess we can uh, assume that she's not thinking as clearly as she might at other times in these moments. She's operating on autopilot. So much so that when she leaves the tomb, she bumped into the gardener without even seeing him. His only value to her was that he might know the answer to her question. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. I'm not entirely sure what her plan was. Would she pick up the body and take him and where would she take him? It was not a particularly well thought out request, I suspect, but the gardener didn't seem to mind. Mary, he said to her. And she turned to stare at him. Rabboni, she cried out, my teacher. Do not hold on to me, he says to her, because I have not yet ascended to the father. It's not clear that she was holding on to him in any way at this point. Perhaps she was reaching out to. Unless what Jesus is referring to is what she called him, my teacher. The old name she used to call him. Maybe he could hear it in her voice, how she wanted him back the way he was, so that they could go back to the way they were, back to the old life where everything was familiar and not frightening like it was now. Rabboni, she called him. But this was his Friday name, 
And now it was Sunday, an entirely new day in an entirely new life. He was not on his way back to her and the others. He was on his way to God and he was taking the whole world with him. This may be why all of the other gospel accounts of the resurrection tell us not to be afraid. Because new life is frightening. It's unnatural. To expect a sealed tomb and find one filled with angels. To hunt the past and discover the future. To seek a corpse and find the risen Lord. None of it is natural. Death is natural. Loss is natural. Grief is natural. But those stones have been rolled away this happy morning to reveal the highly unnatural truth. By the light of this day, God has planted a seed of life in us that cannot be killed. And if we can remember that, then there is nothing we cannot do. Move mountains, banish fear, love our enemies, change the world. The one thing we cannot do is hold on to him. He's asked us not to do that because he knows that we would want to keep him here with us where we are rather than let him take us where he is going. Better we should let him take hold of us, perhaps. Better we should let him take us into the presence of God who is not behind us but ahead of us every step of the way. And friends, in these days, despite our sin and our struggle, and despite the changes and the challenges that have come from the pandemic that has in many ways reshaped our Easter, we cannot simply cling to God and ask him to stay with us exactly where we are. God has not asked that of us, and instead invites us to take Christ's hand, to embrace the forgiveness and grace that he offers and to get creative, to be willing to be led where he is going. We can respond to the difficulties of these days with melancholy or escapism, or we can choose to be creative. Friends, today is a day for contemplating fresh horizons, imagining new ways of being, opening ourselves up to all that God can and will do in and through us in all the days that lie ahead. And you know, sometimes when things are shaken in whatever way around us, the spirit moves with a fresh freedom, bringing about new possibilities and revealing previously unheralded potential. If we can be present to the pain of our now, yet open to the creative ways of moving on from our present, we begin to help create our future together. For us as God's people, people who know we couldn't make this happen ourselves, but that we've been forgiven and found new life because of Jesus' death and resurrection. This now, this day, this season is a time for conversion and for collaboration with each other and with the God who is still at work pulling new life out of the grave. Friends, Jesus Christ is alive and through the Holy Spirit is longing to lead you into new life today. Are you ready? Are you willing to be led into all that he has for you?
because Christ loves you. He's died and raised again so that you can have new life. Are you willing? Are you ready? Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Bless you, friends. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Easter day.